Welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. And uh, on today's episode, although we're a bit slacker because we recorded this yesterday <laughs> from home. Yeah. <laughs> we just didn't have it in us to do the intro because I think you even said, I don't know if you said on this podcast, Reed, but you were like, I was exhausted after the pre-call. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I did, but it... And we keep saying exhausting in a good way. Uh, but yeah, Manny Puentes, um, dude, is a legend, Yeah, <laughs> at least in my mind. In your own world. Yeah, yeah. And he was just, uh, yeah, we couldn't stop talking about, you know, journeys, backgrounds. Um, and he's definitely uh, what I call a P1. Those are from the radio days of Digible. You know, big fan of ours. And the more he heard the story, the more he was leaning in. So it was it was a lot of fun before he even got started. Yeah. So we met Manny, I think two years ago at some sort of ad tech meetup of, of some sort um, here in, in Denver. And he's been the CTO of a number of um, ad tech startups. So he knows the space well. He's built DSPs and um, different platforms like that for different customers and, and companies. And um, and I guess it was just before we launched Digital, but back in 2017, he actually uh, launched Rebel AI. And the point of Rebel AI is to combat ad fraud. So um, a DMP is part of the tech stack where a, a company would use to help buy inventory to advertise online, like programmatic inventory. And when he was doing that process, he saw all of this funny business going in, going on where... Um, Go ahead, say your word. Shenanigans. Thank you. Yeah, there's shenanigans <laughs> going on <laughs> that where people uh, were just doing untoward things and sucking up uh, impressions that weren't legitimate and things like that. And so this has become a topic that Reed and I have hit more and more or got into more and more recently with at Digible and, and how we can continue to combat ad fraud. And we thought it'd be a great topic for the podcast and we didn't think of anything, anyone better than Manny to, to have this conversation with. Yeah, super interesting. And what he was saying, and we were too, kind of in the pre-call is we don't want to, I guess, scare anybody or over alarm <clears throat> folks about uh, the risk uh, of ad fraud with uh, the, the current channels that they're using. And in many cases, and he brought this up a few times, is the closer you get to the source, the less risk you have. Meaning if you're using, you know, kind of the native uh, ad servers within these platforms, be it Google or, or Facebook and the like, that, uh, you know, it's, it's not as big of an issue, but it still exists. And so that part was, you know, fascinating as we talked through, like, you know, where are the kind of hotbeds, if you will, of ad fraud, uh, be it by browser, by device, um, you know, by publisher and things of that nature. So um, it was a really, really fun conversation. Yeah. So if that sounds interesting to you, definitely stay tuned and listen to this episode. And then um, if you're, I'm sure at the end, you guys will be as eager as Reed and I are to have him back on and, and just pick his brain again. Cool. Well, Reed and I are here with Manny. And Manny, I've never gotten your last name correct, so I'm avoiding pronouncing it. But how do you say your last name? Fuentes. Fuentes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a good ring. I wish I had some <laughs> nice ring to mine. Uh, well, Manny, why don't you start before we get into the ad fraud discussion, but why don't you just start, uh, give us uh, a little bit of your background and then what, um, like what spawned the idea for Rebel and then what Rebel, what Rebel does, and then we'll jump into ad from, fraud from there. Yeah, no problem. So look, I've, I've been in advertising for, you know, 20 plus years, um, you know, building early platforms, uh, even actually here. And I'm, I'm actually based in Colorado and in Westminster. I was working at a company early on called MatchLogic, where 
we were building one of the one of the first ad platforms and since then i've i've uh i've built dsps and dmps and all the aspects of advertising you could think of and um you know i'd been doing that for a long time and was cto for a long time at a lot of uh, different com- or a couple of companies and decided that you know before uh I leave this wonderful planet, I should probably start my own company. <laughs> so there, there, uh, you know, Rebel AI was born, uh, was born and we basically are an engineering uh, firm where we, you know, build products, but we also have our own product and uh, patent pending product uh, in ad fraud. Right. So a lot of, a lot of things, as you mentioned, DSPs, DMPs, but in the programmatic display space right so a lot of is that mostly what you guys touch or like programmatic like banner ads yeah and display video um you know ctv pretty much all channels across uh digital okay cool well does that extend into into places like facebook or or is that more close yeah, i mean yeah we've, we've actually built activation platforms that um activate inside of facebook and um you know we've touched all you know from email to to um, to PII to you know pretty much anything you can think of in the digital space we've we've either had a hand in building or um, have have you know have built it ourselves. Okay, cool. And then when you and I um, and I think Reed was there when we first met like two years ago, but you were um, demoing I guess a platform that you've been working on for some time, which I don't know. Do you call your platform Rebel or what do you what do you call your ad fraud platform? Well, we, we have a we have a fraud solution um, that we've been working on that's uh, called Passport, and um, you know I, I guess we and since then we've actually built um, a platform around it um, that we actually are going to release here soon uh, called Compass. So uh, it's it's a bigger platform play that allows you to do media buying across all channels and incorporates our security solution. So we're you know. We're building a security-first base solution um, for activation and and closed-loop attribution. Cool. So if I if I just try to distill this down, um, and we'll get the setup done, and I'm sure Reed will wind them up and let them go. Uh, but uh, a lot of what you had talked about two years ago was there's a lot of spoofing that's happening. And look, let me take my like amateur hour. Well, maybe. <laughs> well, whatever. And I'll say so. Basically. Uh, first programmatic display is where you're, let's say you're buying display or video ads online instead of calling up the New York times or the Atlanta journal constitution or whatever you um, you say, Hey, I'm just going to place this through like Google's ad network or whoever, like it pick your ad network of choice. We don't have to get into that, but um, let me buy this programmatically. So I don't have to go individually buy these websites. And then I can layer on cool stuff like some behavioral targets or psychographics or something that may be of interest. And um, but through that process, there's, well, there's some shenanigans, I guess that that could and might. Do good good. With it. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you talk to One us about David's favorite, favorite words yeah. is shenanigans. <laughs> why don't you talk to us about the shenanigans at a high level? Uh, and then I'm, I think spoofing was like at least your main thing. I'm sure you go beyond that, but um, and what that what that uh, says for like small small advertisers uh, online. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, when you're a small advertiser, you want to put your money to work and you know, every, every dollar counts and you want to ensure that, um, you have good ROI when you're, when you're working with someone, but look, it's digital. It's, um, I mean, it's like the Homestead Act, right? I mean, early on people were just fencing in a lot of digital properties and, and fig, you know, figuring out how to make money. Um, you know, like I said, I've been doing it for, for 20 plus years, but 
advertising wasn't built um, with security in mind first, right? I mean, it, it evolved it, and over time, um, we got better and better, um, but yet security wasn't, you know, the, the initial thought on transacting media or finding eyeballs for your brand, right? It, it was just, hey, um, I have this digital property and, um, you know, I, and I have, you know, I, I curate content and I have people come to this property and, and they have a, a demographic associated to them so that somebody else may want to um, capture their attention, right? And so essentially, um, as the evolution of advertising was taking place, um, you know, if you if you think about where we are today with with regard to how much money is spent online versus someone going into a store, you, you can see a dramatic shift um, in in that behavior, right? Like, I think where I used to want to go into a store and buy something, I I actually want to go online to see all the variety that that I may be able to, or or all the the different brands and and items that I may be able to purchase, um, and and the and, and get a better deal for what I'm looking for, right? And whenever you see money movement like that, unfortunately, there's a trail of bad actors that come along with that money movement, and they want a piece of that, right? It's it's no different, you know. Banks get broken into because there's there's money there, right? I mean, I, th I think I think people are, um, you know, the bad actors are driven by trying to get their hands on those dollars and uh, and in the easiest way possible, and so they're going to exploit loopholes to do it. So digital is no different because that money movement has happened and a lot of the, you know, e-commerce and a lot of transacting is happening online. Uh, these holes started to appear in how you could actually um, fraud the system. Right. And so one of those ways is that there's not really a, a digital identity, if you will, that um, that represents, let's say that a, a site that you're looking for, uh, looking to buy an audience on. Let's 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 keep it simple and say New York Times. So New York Times invests a ton of money in curating their content and getting certain demographics or certain people to with certain demographics to their site. Um, and they're always and they're calculating. They have their own data sets where they're you know either need more of a certain type of audience um, and where they'll start curating content to get that type of audience. Um, because the way that they make money is through advertisement, right? So in the advertising ecosystem, you have publishers um, who are curating audiences, and then in whether it be mobile or sites, and then in the middle, you have what we call ad tech. Think of it as, as the plumbing that connects um, the site to, um, to, to what we call, I mean, not to get too in detail, but let's just say the, the the connection is is made up of a bunch of platforms that we know is ad tech. And then on the other side of that are agencies and brands that are trying to reach the audiences that those publishers have curated, right? And so in the middle there, in that in that ecosystem that we call ad tech, they know that certain sites um, have a value, a price point, right? So like a New York Times is going to have more value for a brand because they have the audiences that they're looking for than uh, you know JohnDoe.com, right? And so there's so there's money associated to that, and because of the decoupling or the, or the nature of the way that ad the digital works, um, these platforms aren't directly connected to each other, and they're that way because they need to provide scale and they need to give the ease 
of buying to the buyer so that essentially they can go out, find the audiences that they want and not have all of these direct connections across all of these different publishers because it, it, it creates a uh, it, it, it creates a clearinghouse problem, right? Where you have to now pay all of these people and all these money, it, it becomes really hard. And I'm setting up that, I'm setting up this discussion this way because I'm trying to help you understand why these actors are incentivized to even want to go do anything that we deem as ad fraud, right? In, in that realm, if you will. And it's because they they actually want to get some of that money and, and that's really bad because the way that they're doing it is through programs like that, that are known as bots or, um, you know, scripts and, and, and computers that are not real humans that know how to interact with all these different platforms. Um, and to keep it pretty, to keep it really simple, because you know the value of New York Times domain, when you go to your web browser, you type in www.newyorktimes.com, because that domain has a value associated to it, um, you're going to get bad actors that are going to put transactions into the system that basically have New York, that are tagged with New York Times. But they're not really New York Times. It's just a computer in some house somewhere that said it was New York Times, right? And so as a buyer or an agency, when you go into these platforms to buy uh, a particular set of audiences, that are going to convert for you. Um, they're going in and they're selecting all of these. You're going in and selecting all of these properties that have a high propensity of having the audiences that you're looking for that are going to convert for you ultimately to bring you business value. And when you go into these platforms, literally you're going to put in a string as if you're getting on your keyboard and typing www.newyorktimes.com with no security wrapped around that. And so essentially those bidding platforms are taking in the real New York Times.com's audiences and the fake ones. And you don't know which ones you're actually processing, right? And because the granularity of what exists in these platforms don't allow you to just check a box that says, don't give me fake ones, there's a waste of, there's waste uh, that that you have to process to get to the real audiences, right? And so working with really good agencies that understand these practices and understand what waste means, um, they're essentially, you're essentially going to hone in your business practices and buying, buying strategies so that you can reduce the waste, ultimately bringing more value to your clients, right? So I guess what I'm trying to say in a nutshell, that's a long way of saying, there are real New York Times domains and there are fake New York Times domains that are generated by just computers out on the internet. And ad fraud from a domain spoofing perspective is just simply, I'm buying advertisements that no one ever is going to see. And it's really hard to know the good from the bad because we're so early on while we feel we're like we're not, we're so early on in this digital age that we're working through those problems. That's great. So I'm going to um, hit one recap, one follow-up question, and I want to T read up here. But um, basically, it's when it comes to ad tech, it's kind of the wild west in my mind. It's like it's like almost anything goes. I know it's gotten better, and um, there's been some stuff like I'll just say like people think of the wild west when they think of Cambridge Analytica and what happened on Facebook. But yeah. it it's it's 
beyond that and and in many ways even more simple than what the cambridge analytica thing is where it's like hey your agency thinks hey uh you're a small advertiser you're gonna buy a hundred thousand impressions and you know agency whoever um doesn't know better and they're just they go by they try to buy new york times as a whitelist through their platform like the trade desk or whatever and some amount of those impressions are new york times but then there's amount amount of those impressions that are not and it's some I'll pick on Russia right now, but I'll just pretend it's some Russian, like some Russian thing instead. <laughs> so uh, my follow-up question is, do you have just a, a an, an, assu- an assumed, how big of a problem is this? Like as far as a percentage of impressions um, or something like that out of every hundred impressions, X number of them are probably being intercepted or go not really hitting where you think they're hitting. Yeah. So, so look, uh, you know, early on, it's funny, early on, I was always taught to never say, hey, that was a good question, because it, impl- it basically means all your other questions suck. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that is actually a really good question. So if you think about statistics, when you go out, and I, and I encourage all of your listeners to go out and, and do their own research, but when you actually go out and do your research, you're going to find numbers that are varying across the board. And here's why. You're only as good as your statistical set. So if you went in and you worked with a bad bad inventory source and they had a large amount of bad actors, then your number clearly is going to get bigger because you're only as good as the lens that you're looking through, right? So... So you'll you'll run into these reports and say, oh, my God, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, we've seen 50, 60 percent fraud. But the lens that they were looking through was a statistical lens that then they were working with providers that had a large amount of fraud. And then look at some of them that say, hey, well, I only had 10 percent fraud. Right. And it was because the audience set that they were working with wasn't wasn't as bad. Right. So so you're only as good as the lens that you work through. Okay, so. What's interesting here is that there's never such thing as a good, there, there's never a good, there's, there's never such a thing as a good deal in even in advertising, right? <laughs> so if you run into an agency or someone that says, Hey, I have traffic that is 10 cent CPM. And you're like, man, my dollar can go really far with that. Right. You're probably going to get a lot of bots and a lot of bad traffic. Right. So you get what you pay for. Or if you come in and you say, Hey, well, I, I, I have inventory that's $30 CPM. You're probably working super direct and in a sponsorship placement in, in a publisher's ad server. And your, your return on investment is greater because real, people really saw it. So, so, so if, you're, if you have, you know, if you run into the situation and you feel like you got a really good deal, I would look at it again because quantity obviously isn't quality, right? So what you're trying to do here is you're, is you're trying to minimize ad fraud, but you also want to do it where it's at value for you and your client. So you both win. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, 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 so what's interesting here is that to answer your question directly is that it, it, you know, it's very, it's prominent and it's pervasive and it comes in waves. And, and, and when you go out and you read some of these articles and you do your own research, you're going to find that they found a bot network that has been, you know, that that essentially has taken over and uh, has wasted tons and billions of dollars because it's in the billions. Um, and then it'll go away for a while and then it'll come back. 
and it's essentially those bad actors trying to find these loopholes. And so I would say, you know, if, if you wanted to know, I mean, you're, you're going to be looking at 15 to 20% of it happening, you know, on an, on an average. And that's just a number I'm throwing out there, right? Like if you're going to go out and try to find that number, I think, I think for me, that number just resonates. Um, if you, if you wanted to look at an industry, you know, and depending on the lens that you're looking through at the time of the buy, um, what you're trying to do is mitigate that from ever happening and lowering that number even lower. Uh, but, but what I would say is that um, that's just some number that's in my head over the 20 plus years that I've been doing this that I've averaged out somehow. Yeah. Sense. I think it's a great number. And it, it's like, it's almost like if you're working with a company that's not super skilled and look, I don't, our audience knows this. We're not a high driven sales force saying, Hey, you, Digible has it all figured out. I'm more of just saying, if you try to, if you, if you pick up and make your first account today and try to go buy programmatically, you're going to end up with more fraud than somebody that's been doing it a long time that probably have less fraud. And then there's the problem of getting, even getting caught, let's say like of the numbers that you're talking about, um, how much of those studies, like, did they even really know what, what was really fraudulent and what wasn't? And so as you're saying, like, if you're a big brand, maybe you're on the 10% side, if, if you put in a lot of, you know, you know, uh, processes and systems and whatever, but you could be, you know, uh, and I'll say mobile advertising to me is one of those that really hits my like, um, nerve about, about fraudulent traffic. So you could be like 80%, let's say (laughs) of going in the wrong places. So it's gonna, um, and I'm going to pass it to Reed here in a second, but Reed, you've worked a lot with obviously at a high level on the publishing side before and helping work out getting the most programmatic dollars. So I don't know if this is where you wanted to go Reed, but, and what you would I guess, be comfortable sharing. But um, I know you and I have talked many times about how many of those dollars that an advertiser is spending is actually landing on the publisher and what's getting sucked up by the ad tech in between. And then I'm sure from there, Reed, you'll have whatever, you'll take it wherever you want to go. Yeah, well, it was an education for me and it was years ago, just um, you know what the actual net is for the publisher. Um, it's still more than they would get otherwise. And that's what publishers are trying to always, you know, kind of figure out. And so there, a lot of new teams were, were developed while I was on the media side of yield management and it became incredibly important and valuable. Um, and they uh, went through incredibly in-depth processes with uh, various providers in particular on the rich media side um, trying to vet through like what were they doing about ad fraud and ultimately of course what was going to be netted to the publisher is amazing you know a lot of times we'd be talking about ten dollar cpms but then you'd find out the publisher was only taking two of that and so it it had you know ceos publishers questioning just how much we should be pursuing or opening up our inventory you know for the programmatic third party you know providers um, because it's like well with all this inventory now our direct s- sales staff can't can't really sell all that. So a sell through might be good, like as far as inventory at 30 or 40% from your direct staff. And then it's like, well, what the hell are we doing with the other 60, 70% of our inventory? And so there was this great kind of intersection or marriage between programmatic, you know, provider providers and publishers. But then as you started to learn more about it, um, publishers was like, well, maybe this isn't as good as we thought. Um, but what they had to come to grips with, and uh, you know, I certainly faced that a lot was these big homepage takeovers and direct buys were just going away and people were wising up and 
and saying, we're going to buy audience. We're not going to buy publishers direct. And you still see that periodically when you go to ESPN and, and a few others, Yahoo, you'll, you'll see like with movie trailers and things like that. But more often than not, even those types of ad types, uh, you know, are being bought programmatically. So then the next kind of chapter in this whole thing is where we're kind of at today talking with Manny about, you know, the fraud itself. And one of the things that I would get, um, kind of pitched on was how much money certain providers would spend on their ad fraud. Um, and that's, that's where, you know, companies like rebel provide so much value or so important, frankly, for those companies in order to, to get bigger deals done. So I remember undertone, if you're familiar with them, Manny, um, but, uh, they're one of the bigger providers of kind of rich media and like, you know, docked um, ad types that would pop up. And they came to us and they were trying to do a big deal with Digital First. And, you know, they're the second largest conglomerate to Gannett when it comes to local media publishers. And they were like, we spend $10 million a year, which I had no context, but they were like, that's how much we spend every year on monitoring our ad fraud. And then they went on to say, and this was them trying, I think, to be transparent uh, with us is, you know, for context, guys, like there's a lot of similar ad types or providers um, that don't even spend a million dollars on it. And so you're giving your your advertisers garbage um, and you're creating a bad user experience. And so it was, it was interesting to hear that. Uh, so yeah, all this all this factors into it. Um, I definitely have been kind of uh, pretty, as Manny says, 20 years. I don't have quite that long, but not far off. And so it's been really fascinating to see the evolution and kind of the new companies that are coming up. So uh, my, I guess I'll turn this into a question for Manny is, <clears throat> where do you see the... I mean, what's the best solution um, to improve things uh, beyond, you know, companies like yours being born? Um, is it working more, uh, you know, directly with uh, the the programmatic, as you talk about the piping, the providers themselves, so like an app Nexus um, or uh, Trade Desk, Rubicon, you know, are you, are you actively in conversations with them? Um, do they already have inherently built into their piping um, ad fraud? And, and so you're working or focused more on agencies to try and help improve this problem. Uh, and then the third kind of, uh, I guess, you know, player in that, maybe a fourth. So you have the programmatic players themselves, like the platforms, the DSPs and the SSPs. Then you have the agencies that are buying in bulk. Then you have the publishers that are kind of... <laughs> you know, almost in no man's land. And then you have like folks like the IAB, right. That are like policy setters in a way. Um, and they're coming out with all sorts of guidelines, but you know, are they active enough right now in ad fraud? Cause they'll tell you, these are the ad types and there's all sorts of certifications and education they're trying to provide. But, um, I don't know that they're ne necessarily, um, or have been a very active participant as far as who and how to approach ad fraud. Certainly, I see content from them, but that's kind of, for me, the, the ecosystem all around ad fraud. So, uh, yeah, Manny, what are your thoughts as far as who um, and how to, to really improve this beyond, again, your companies like yours being born to, to at least detect this stuff? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there's been a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of talk about fraud in the space. And I would say early on, the market or, you know, media trading was based on, on quantity, not quality, right? Um, where agencies wanted to go out, be able to capture all the audiences they possibly could and do it in a really easy way using the pro programmatic plumbing that you're referencing. Over time, 
there was a realization because of all the data that was coming in that something was amiss, right? Like there wasn't the conversion rates that they were hoping to get. And, um, you know, fraud started to take hold and essentially uh, started to change the paradigm. And, and, and there's a big shift now that's happening from, from uh, quantity to quality. So you're starting to hear a lot of the SSPs or the ad tech providers saying they work directly with the publishers, right? Um, you're starting to see uh, that value prop in their marketing and their strategy around, hey, um, you know, working directly with the publishers is going to reduce ad fraud, right? And so that, so that's that's a big. I think you've, I don't, I don't, maybe you haven't mentioned it, but you probably heard of like supply side, you know, supply path optimization and you know, throwing around words like, you know, transparency and so on and so forth. This is a way to change um, the programmatic buying strategies from, from, from quantity to quality. And that's a hard shift because what that's doing is it's going to, uh, you know, the market is essentially going to get smaller with providers out there, right, that um, provide the ability to buy, to buy media because there's only a finite amount of inventory, right? Um, there's a lot of reselling that happens, right? But there's only really a finite amount of inventory. And as you move more to the quality nature of buying, um, you're just not going to have a ton of that reselling that has been there in the past. Does that make sense? And so that, that the byproduct of that is that there are more business controls and technology controls to tamper down some of the fraud that we're seeing, right? Um, we didn't mention any of, um, of, of the third-party cookie going away or in, in some of the other things that are, that are playing a really big part uh, in some of this transformation. It's actually a really great time to be innovating right now um, in this space because of the, ma- the massive changes around, and, and this is a whole nother podcast, but a massive changes around privacy and consumer, you know, consumer data and the third party and tracking and retargeting and all of the things that we love to use today to find our consumers are going through a massive change. So um, I would say to be very pointed to your, to, to give you just a very pointed answer, one of the biggest strat, one of the best strategies that's being that, that, that is happening today is that we're moving from quantity to quality. And then on top of that, technology can do a, a better job in identifying some of this fraud. And that's and that's where you're starting to see this. I, I'm really optimistic about it. You're seeing this massive change around um, the awareness of fraud and, and how we're actually gonna control it through processes and quality. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, I, I was going to ask as you, and I think you teed me up well for this, but quality versus quantity. Um, and frankly, at least with our clients and we want to try and make this as relevant as we can for multifamily specifically, but, um, you know, what are some basic tips, uh, if there are any out there to add buyers? And I mean, this could be directed, you know, at us as an agency that is, you know, really buying on behalf for them. But David mentioned mobile is, is one of the things that kind of, uh, scares him as, you know, and potentially has a lot higher fraud. So I didn't know if you can expand on that. I, when I think about, you know, kind of deconstructing, you know, the online uh, opportunities, um, 
or ad tech, I think, you know, in general terms, like, is there a difference between browser types, you know, where you see greater fraud, you know, from Chrome to to a Safari, because people seem to trust inherently Safari more, right? And then by device. So, you know, what we were just talking about with mobile versus tablet versus desktop, then you have ad type and creative. So rich media versus static, you have platforms. So is it ad fraud more rampant on on a YouTube um, than it is, you know, and in, in kind of standard publishers. And then of course you have premium publishers versus the ones you talked about, the Joe Schmo, like kind of niche sites, um, maybe even neighborhood level type sites. So a lot to throw at you, Manny, but I'm just saying like, if um, you know, you, and I'm sure you've already, as you mentioned, been on panels, but talking to different agencies, here's some things outside of the technology that Rebel can provide to really, you know, help protect against ad fraud. But some some just general good uh, tips or things to be aware of as far as where there's more risk, um, be it again ad type, you know, browser platform device, etc. So any any commentary there? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, it's. I, I mean, I love the question. I have so many thoughts around it. Um, but I would say first, you know, work with brands that you know if if you're if you're going out and you're trying to find a provider or, or technology solution that's going to help you as an agency, um, you know, do your research, work, work with brands that are known that have been in the space for a while. Like uh, I'm not saying don't try up and coming companies that um, beca- because I mean, look, I, I'm a, I, I live my life in startups. I love up and coming companies. And it's, it's, I think that some of the greatest innovation is, is happened from those startups that, you know, uh, are born in a garage, but like, you know, if you're starting out, work with brands that you know, right? And like, you know, your trade desks and work with people that, uh, you know, your beeswax, your, you know, personalities behind companies are what the companies are really going to be like, right? Um, you know, if you see, you know, do your research on the the founders um, and and see, um, you know, do do your homework, right? Like. If you if you run into a company you've never uh, uh, worked with before and they're selling you cheap inventory, that's probably a sign, right? Like, there's no such deal as a good deal, right? Um, that's one. That's just traditional uh, street smarts, right? Then there's the then then there's the 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 question list, like what technology provi- uh, fraud providers are you working with today, right? One thing to note is that um, there there is not a fraud detection provider that is perfect. It's just not possible, right? Um, So what you want to do is work with the best of the best in what you're trying to solve. Does that make sense? Like if if you're actually working with the fraud provider, um, you're you're going to give your clients the ability to, or you're going to give your clients the confidence to know that you're working with the best that's out in the market to protect them, right? Um, And sometimes that may be the the buying the the platform partner that you're working with has instituted a lot of the strategies for you so you don't have to right um and so i would say one there isn't a perfect strategy out there two just work with the best of the best and and then three which is really important is look at the data right the like get as much data as you possibly can and filter through that data and be smart and aware of where your conversions and the value that you're bringing to your customers uh, lies, right? And so 
I, I think by well, I know by looking at the data, you're going to find um, things that work and things that don't work. Um, and 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 because you guys have been in the space and you and humans have been in the space and you've and you and you know digital strategies, you know the data is going to be a strong signal as to whether something's working or not, right? Um, and so I think all of those things are tips for agencies that are starting out to say, hey, I'm going to do my very best to bring the most value to my clients, and I'm going to employ the strategies that I know and the tech that I know works. And then being honest, it says, that say, being honest with yourself and being honest with your clients that says, hey, I've, I've deployed the best technology that, that I possibly can deploy. Here is, here, here's the data. Here's your input. Here's your output. And, and we've put an insurance policy in place to protect you from fraud, right? I think going beyond that and overselling that you're fraud free and hundred percent, um, transparent, which you always strive to be, but you're only as good as the data that you get. Right. So being honest and, and, and knowing that this whole ecosystem is evolving to be to to be better. And and there are a lot of companies that are out there like ourselves that are working on trying to provide um, a fraud free environment and provide tr ultimate transparency um, that are out there working for for you and and will eventually, you know, get to a place where we're close to 100, but we're not there yet. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I see our job as an agency is to de-risk, you know, on behalf of the client, you know, up front. It's like, here's our playbook. Here are the things that you should know about Digible when we buy programmatic. And, you know, some of that would be, you know, we, we make sure that uh, the providers we use do have ad fraud uh, technology built into it. And then here's three or four other things that we consider to de-risk, you know, uh, the amount of ad fraud that will you'll be subjected to, you know, on a campaign. And so those are great tips. And you, you set me up, I think, pretty well for a follow-up and then I can give it back to David. But when it does come to, okay, we've done everything we can up front and we know that there's some technology built in as we do get through the campaign and optimize, but what our clients do understand better, I won't say they, you know, most people don't have a PhD in, in website analytics, um, you know, specifically Google analytics, but it would seem uh, basic logic would say, hey, be on the lookout for, you know, how your bounce rates affected, um, how how your average session, you know, duration looks, where the traffic's coming from, the sources, you know, being um, that kind of stuff. So I didn't know if you could just talk at a high level. Uh, this one, I think, again, would be uh, better probably understood by by some of our listeners. But any tips or thoughts around what to look at your kind of backend uh, analytics that might uh, tip you off or, or should be a cause for concern? Yeah. I mean, look, if, if you have a website and you're using an agency um, to help drive lead generation, um, look at your Google analytics, um, ask your agency, you know, uh, what campaigns have been launched uh, on what platforms they can go into their Google Analytics and look at referring URLs and look at um, some of the data inside of their own analytics platforms to see if traffic is even showing up to their websites, right? Um, I mean, that's the whole that's the whole gig, right? If you have if you are a if you're a, 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 an owner and you're you know have properties that you're that you're leasing and you work with an agency, you should see a spike in traffic. 
if you're really getting users that are going there. I mean, I don't, it, that spike in traffic could be normalized. There could be a whole bunch of things that are happening, um, you know, but, but look, look at the data, right? Like the other thing that you had touched on that's super interesting um, is that you also want to be aware of, like earlier we had said, hey, in programmatic, we were looking for a bunch of audiences and um, programmatic gave us that ability. Well, it turns out that like, if I, if you're a, if you're a, let's say, you know, essentially if, how, how do I want to put this? If you're looking for audiences that are interesting, interested in buying uh, cookware, right? You're, I don't even know if cookware is a thing, but I just, <laughs> I'm sure it's a, but, but whatever, right? Reed has a sous vide. He loves cookware. So and there you go. Oh, I love the sous vide, but you're going to want to find me in William Sonoma and not 7-Eleven because the propensity of me transacting at William Sonoma is going to be higher than me buying a Slurpee at 7-Eleven, right? And so context matters. So what I'm trying to say here is that the other thing that, you know, your clients could look at is that if they're getting a lot of referring URL, URLs are from places they don't even care to get information from, right? Like that might be a little bit too in detail because it's going to be like, how are we going to figure out what all of this means? But I guess what I'm trying to say is you have data and so do your client and so do your clients and you both can help each other become better at what you do because they can supply you with data that they have to under to give you a better understanding of what's working and not working because in all of this it's working together and creating the right solution for the both of you to win it's actually teamwork it's not throw it over the fence because i think there's a lot here that we could be that we can learn from by transacting digitally because of the real-time nature of the data that you get every second of the day. Yeah, I think it's more what I'm hearing is <clears throat> you should just be having the conversation with whoever your provider is and just asking like, well, what are you guys doing? And then um, you guys should be trading like conversations back and forth. Like a lot of our audience would probably understand like, okay, I'm getting all this traffic from this source or what I launched this campaign and all of it's coming from this referrer and it's one second on site. So probably not hot. Um, and then the next would be like, well, where's the traffic coming from? Right. So I know last year we saw a huge spike in traffic from Brazil and it's like, well, uh, that's out of the norm, <laughs> figure out what's going on in Brazil and, uh, and try to, you know, whack that mole. Um, quick question though. And I, and I do think it'd be fun just, to, uh, and that's uh, and what you just said is not even ad, like in some cases isn't even ad fraud, right? It could just be a uh, ad ops hiccup. Oh, I accidentally targeted the right geo, wrong geo location. Right. right? Oh, that's a great point. Like, there's, uh, we talk a lot with our customers. Like, there's the really, like, end goal of like perfection, but like, you're not, no one's going to get there. And so, you guys shouldn't hold yourself accountable to be at perfection, but there's a lot of basic stuff that you should do. So, let me get back to basics for a second here. But, um, Reed had started to ask quick tips or on mobile, tablet, whatever. But in a closed ecosystem, like, Google AdWords or like Facebook, Instagram, are you safer from this type of thing versus more of the open ecosystem of running programmatic on trade desk or, or let's say email? Yeah, I would say with anything, the closer you get to the source, the safer you're going to be. Right. So if, if you're working directly with the publisher inside of their ad server, the only 
the only fraud you're really going to get there at that point is, you know, fake, you know, fake human traffic that is being driven to that site. Like that's a whole other side of the pair, uh, the whole other side of fraud that takes place that we didn't even touch upon. But it's like, are the audiences that are going to the real sites real because of traffic generation, right? That That's a whole other topic. Um, but, but in general, the, you know, the, the closer you are to the inventory source, the less fraud you're going to have. And I've seen that in our own data. Like when, when you're working directly within a, an ad server, you know, the fraud was more upstream than the actual inventory source, but it was, a it was like 2% to 3%. And the further you got away from the source, the bigger the percentage became. And it's because of the lack of controls that are in the ecosystem. Well, that's super interesting, as you mentioned. Like, <clears throat> I mean, I, I was the, a hot topic for us is um, is eliminating fraud on on Google search, and a lot of that is like, well, are your competitors clicking on your campaigns, whether knowingly, like on purpose or not, right, to help eat up your budget? Is your on-site staff like just going to your branded campaign or whatever, blowing up your stuff? So there's that problem. But as you mentioned, like. Um, what we had said earlier about Cambridge Analytica and uh, and all of the let's say bots that are happening on social to help influence, you know, everybody, um, they may be eating up a lot of the impressions that you're talking about too, right? So it's like it's more of the traffic that's there, less about this spoofing. Um, so Reed, I I do want him to get to at some point like how how Rebel has imagined to solve this problem, but I didn't know if you wanted it before we got there. If you wanted to hit any any other questions. No, I think we can move there. I, I was going to just surface, I guess, the the financial implications of ad, ad fraud. Uh, we haven't really tackled that or talked about that as much. And that would have been something, and it was for me to, uh, you know, I, I was highlighting that a little bit, David, when you're talking about how much money actually goes to the publisher. But it's fascinating because, uh, and I don't know if you <clears throat> know this, Manny, but in the, we'll say, legacy side of, of media, meaning radio, TV, newspaper, that kind of stuff, particularly in the broadcast, they have what's called po- is posting. And so they they sell on what are called grips, uh, gross, gross rating impressions. And they will say, this is the frequency and the reach you're going to get with this buy. And then if they don't meet that based on the ratings that then come back from Nielsen and the like, and now all that's evolved as well, then they're required to actually fulfill you know those impressions through additional uh, inventory. And that started to, um, when I was actually at the post, become more common um, an expectation from agencies as we got into viewability and ad fraud. It was like, you know, we're simply not going to be paying and just accept the fact that, you know, 60 or 70% is good. You know, it's, we're, we're only going to be paying for, for the impressions that are viewed or for non-bot traffic. And I understood that, but that was a, a shock to the system, you know, and I think it's one that still publishers are grappling with because a lot of publishers thought that they had this premium inventory, didn't have a bot traffic problem, and, you know, that digital was the answer as far as offsetting all the legacy loss that they were experiencing, you know, with their traditional media. And uh, and then came kind of this new expectation, and it was as a result of the education about ad fraud, um, you know, bot traffic and viewability. So I just think it's it's a fascinating topic. You know, I was kind of curious to get, you know, your take. I don't know how much, how close you've been to that because, you know, like I said, I, you know, being in the position that I was before, that was an active conversation I was having to field. Um, but, uh, you know, you're obviously 
helping the problem, but then you're also putting publishers sometimes on their heels where it's like, shit, you know, we, we actually have a lot more fraud than we realized on our site. And therefore, you know, now we have to like figure out how to, to monetize that or deal with that problem um, with these bigger agencies that, that are now putting much higher demands on what they will actually pay for. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, well, so, I mean, that, that is a huge, I mean, that's what, what in particular there, I mean, I, that spawns like a ton of different, well, you know, uh, well, yeah, it is kind of a big one to put out there. Um, yeah. it might be good for follow up cause you know, uh, for the listeners, we were talking to Manny for an hour before we started. <laughs> um, so he's just a blast to talk to. And I think, you know, we definitely have some fun follow-ups that we could hit with you potentially. Um, so I don't, I don't want to take away from, you know, cause I think we do unfortunately have a hard stop, uh, now at, uh, or in 10 minutes. So let, let's let you, uh, yeah, what Dave is saying, just talk, talk to <laughs> a bit more specifically about rebel. We'll- you just pulled like the eject lever on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't care. I just don't want to. I mean, I think it's fair to Manny to let him talk a little bit more about Rebel, but uh, you know, no, 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 that's 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 fine. No, I mean, we could do we could do you know Rebel in a different podcast. So it <laughs> like I think I flew out of the plane when you hit the eject button on that one too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look. So, so I mean, going back to to the original question, basically saying, um, so what what was so let's let's kind of let's try to answer this. So, what was the 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 original question, which was well, it's kind of the financial implications of of ad fraud. You know, there's there's winners and losers. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, it's the publisher's inventory, right? And so. Um, they are now being greeted by with you know much higher demands from agencies than buying on behalf of these like Fortune 500 companies, saying, "Hey, we're so you almost have I don't want to say a conflict of interest, but you know in some sense you know the publishers are like, yeah, we want to demonstrate that we have this great quality and premium inventory, but on the other hand, the more that we do that, the more we find out that that we don't have the volume that that we did before, and so. Um, you know, it's like, so it's, it's a double-edged sword is all I'm saying from publishers and how, um, and the agencies just don't care, you know, at least that was my experience. They were like, you know, you, you know, doing the, the little violin or whatever. It's like, we don't, we don't feel sorry for you. You know, like we are here to promise our clients. So it's funny, Manny, cause you said setting expectations is really important, but a lot of these big agencies are telling, you know, their clients, we're going to give you the purest inventory you ever you could ever imagine and and we don't give a, a damn what these publishers are telling us and so um i don't know if there's a a question like a good specific question I, I, yeah i i understand what you're saying i mean look here, here at the, at here, here's the thing it's like here's what you're saying or what i'm interpreting there's a there's a lot of pressure on at, on publishers to provide quality inventory fraud free and they have to employ. They have to deploy a lot of money to get all of these partners on board. And at what point does it stop or make economic sense uh, for the publisher to keep doing that? Right. It's almost like a fractal problem. Like the the more you look, the scarier it gets. Right. And and or you know, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so there has to be some balance. Right. Um, where the the economics across the board makes sense for everyone. I mean, because ultimately that 
that has to happen, right? And and I think w- there's a balance that is taking place. Like, I think we've reached the port in our, point in our industry where people are starting to say, and I think you've probably heard it or read about it, like the ad tech tax is is becoming unbearable. And where is my money going? And how and 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 I really looked at the numbers, and I'm only getting one percent of margin out of this whole thing. And is it real? Is the juice worth the squeeze? The juice worth the squeeze, right? And the, a lot of those answers are being uh, answered. A lot of those questions are being answered right now, and they're and the balance is starting to take place in a sense that they're saying, "All right, I love this quantity, but man, it's getting real expensive, right?" And so we got to move to quality. And I and what you're seeing is, hey, I'm not going to have five fraud vendors. I need just one. And and I only need one because I'm not going to sell my inventory to seven different SSPs. I'm going to sell my inventory to one SSP at most. And I'm going to run a lot of direct campaigns. Oh, and by the way, a new technology that, you know, well, not new, but a technology that I'm going to start using more is header bidding because it's going to get me directly to the DSP that I need, that I know is buying my inventory to reduce my footprint of fraud. So I'm not going to let anyone get into the buying stream on my behalf because I know I'm connected directly to the buying platform. And so all of these things are taking place and you've got CFOs at these companies that are saying, all right, well, we need to get back to making a bigger margin on curating all this content. So we need to get smarter about who we work with and selling to everybody clearly isn't working, right? And so the economics, which is interesting, um, is fixing some of the fraud problems and just in general. So, so, so I guess to answer your question is that um, these things are all, there's a whole slew of things that are taking place that are driven by the margins in all of these businesses to be better by working with, so more, it, it, more is not better, less is better. And that's kind of the, the theme that's happening right now to reduce some of these problems. But, but what I will say is that you can, you can look at, you can look through a bunch of different lenses and this is a fractal problem. So the closer you get to it, the scarier it will be. But I think if you just look at traditional economics and how business works, I know as me, as a business, if I don't put, if I put a dollar in and I don't get $2 out, I'm not going to put a dollar in anymore, right? If I put a dollar in and get a dollar 50 out or dollar 10 out, I might keep doing it because I can save the 10 cents long enough to make enough money to do something. So if you use it, so, so my point here is that you also need to look at the macro value that it's providing your business from a lead gen perspective. And so don't, you know, don't scare yourself. Just know there are people out there working on it and that are trying to get better so that they can squeeze margins out for their businesses. And those are the plumbing players. And so they're incentivized naturally to continue to get better at that because they make more money, the better they, the more they don't have, they make more money if they don't have to spend money on fraud providers, basically. And so they're incentivized to continue to try to fix the problem. And publishers are incentivized to use those companies that are doing that because they're going to squeeze more margin for their business because they're using players that are going to reduce fraud and be closer to the buying to the buyers. So really, it's being fixed in all of those different by by looking at all of those different angles. There's not really some silver bullet that says and not even my technology that says, hey, here's the silver bullet. Use this and your problems are gone. Hopefully Mm -hmm. that's helpful. 
It is. Well, well, I was just going to say that was kind of a masterful response to an oce- oceanic size topic. Um, so well done, Manny. I, I'll finish here, David. This isn't a question. It's just putting a cherry on that. But um, it's there's a danger um, and it's inevitable. It's so competitive right now. And, you know, when we, we were at, at the Post and uh, Ad Taxi was our digital kind of brand or agency that David um, was doing enterprise deals on, you're, you want so badly to, it's so hard not to make those promises, you know, cause you know, everybody's schlepping kind of the same thing. It's such a commodity based space. And so it's a little like search, you know, where it's like, how do you stand up differentiators? Like as an agency, how do you go to market reselling Google, you know? And so publishers are in, in kind of in a similar spot and they, um, I think quickly, like almost defaulted to, oh, the, the, the quality, the premium. And then that, triggered kind of the agencies. Oh, so you're telling us that you have the best inventory, the purest inventory. And suddenly that, that started going out in waves out into the market to the ad buyers, you know, and, and, um, to advertisers. Yeah. And so it's like, and then you perpetuate, you know, this unrealistic expectation of what really can and can't be done with relation to ad fraud and bot traffic. And I think that's what, some publishers, and I want to say, you know, even agencies are trying to walk back a little bit, but it's not easy. Once the cat's out of the bag, it's like, guess what? Now, now your client thinks this is the way it needs to be and it's going to be, and it's the only thing they're going to pay for. So it's, it'll be really, really fascinating. As you said, so much change and opportunity for innovation, but how, uh, how those relationships, um, kind of, I guess, evolve or devolve, you know, between the publisher, the agency and the ad tech companies. So anyway, yeah. Oh, totally. And, and I, and I would say that like, um, there's only true innovation in the time of war, right? When you really need to do it. Um, and when everybody was making a lot of money, nobody was really incentivized to change anything, but because now it's impacted their pocket and, 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 it, and it's impacted the value proposition that a lot of these pillars in the industry have held, um, it's creating enforcing change. And that's something that like, we should all be excited about and 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 right now is is like an incredible time to be innovating and working with you know your partners to to really bring a unique product to life yeah Manny, why don't we let you go out on this since we'll have to we'll do a follow-up with you on rebel um but um you guys are are interesting because uh, at least to me because um, obviously it seems like your heart's in the right spot and you're not like you know uh, Doctor Evil like money grubbing over the whole thing but you're like I want to solve this big this big ass problem. So what I'm getting to is um, well, there's a lot of different anti fraud providers out there. Should should our audience as a small let's say small business or small advertiser should they is this something they should be looking at themselves? Like, like meaning whether it's a rebel or whoever else, or should they be pushing their agencies to, to be, you know, working with a vendor like yourself or something like that. But what would be the expectations or what would be the next best move for them? Um, yeah. For a small business, like, is this, is the anti-fraud tech really something they can get involved with or should be concerned with right now? Or is it like, it's still too early? Um, I would say my company and your company exists so that, your clients can focus on their value propositions. And jumping into this big world of trying to figure out fraud detracts from their value propositions, their value proposition that they're trying to to promote. So here's what I'm trying to say. 
I think your client should re- would work with companies that they trust and know are digging into these things for them so that they can focus on building their business, right? Now, if they're interested and they want more from you uh, in this regard, by all means, we should share all the information. And if they want to get smart just because they're curious, they should do that too, right? Information is king. Like the more you know, uh, the better off you are, right? But if you if you saturate yourself with things that aren't your you know part of your business strategy, then all of a sudden you find yourself worried about things you can't change. So I would say that meaning I believe in humanity and people can change anything, but like go and build your business and make money and work with people like that are that are inside of uh, digital that are going to do this for you and bring that value so that you can or any agency, right? Like that so that you can focus on your business and they will focus on protecting you. And I think that's really important. At some point, um, there has to be a, that line of trust and that's when true partnerships are built to build great things. Well, that's a great way to put it. It's basically like, don't distract yourself with, um, you know, like you're saying outside of your core business, cause you've got some other probably important fundamentals to focus on. I but, promise you do. <laughs> right? <laughs> your providers, you should be asking the tough questions and don't just don't sit idly by and wait till it gets to boiling point. Like go, you know, ask the question proactively. Yeah. I mean, I always, you know, if I'm hiring out to do something, it's because I don't have time to do it and I'm going to hire somebody that I trust to do it so that I can scale my business. And if I'm in a position where I don't trust that that's happening, then I might as well do it myself and therefore creates less scale for me. So it's just, you got to think about it in that way. Yeah, I appreciate how for, um, a, a, I'll say an engineer, how how focused you are on the business importance versus just um, saying, you know, like being too altruistic with all of it. Well, this is great, Manny. Uh, we had a blast. Is there anything you want to say before uh, we let you go? Oh, I just uh, want to thank you, the both of you and thank your audience for, for listening. I mean, look, this is a, this is a great opportunity and I, I love, this is my favorite topic. And uh, it's been a blast. So thank you. Cool. Thanks, Manny.